Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, today in the show, we're going to do something a little bit different, not talking about crops, talking about lawn spraying and also pasture spraying. So I guess that would be a crop. We look at grass production as a tremendously valuable crop and one of the most important ones around. But anyway, we will talk about that throughout the show today. But we would be happy to take your phone call as well if you want to call in and talk about anything happening in your farm. Or if you got any questions for us, we would be happy to answer them. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. All right, so I want to talk about the lawn spring first because now is a great time of year where we live. So in the upper Midwestern United States, before the first killing frost, you have a chance to kill a lot of weeds out there. So the three products that I'm usually talking to people about in lawns, I'm going to start with Freelex. That's the new 2,4-D that doesn't drift and volatilize like the old 2,4-D. Drive, that's Quinclorac. That we typically are talking about for crabgrass and some clovers and stuff like that. And then you got Mesotrione. So that'd be the same active ingredient that you'd find in Callisto herbicide that gets used in corn, but that mesotrione is really good on a lot of broadleaves, brings a different mode of action than you probably used in your lawn before, and then also it has some activity on quite a few grass species as well. Plus, it's got a lot more residual than what the Freelex or 2,4-D is going to have. So Drive also has a fair amount of residual. That would be similar to Facet L that gets used in sorghum, Uh, but Anyway, those are the three main products, and by far and away, the number one most popular thing over the years has been to spray 2,4-D in lawns. I would just really highly encourage you, though, please don't spray old 2,4-D. I don't care if you go and buy it at some hardware store or you go buy it at a herbicide retailer that works with farmers. Wherever you buy 2,4-D, get Freelex, get the new stuff. It's basically the same thing as Enlist 1 that you would spray on Enlist Crops. It's just Enlist 1 has another drift retardant in it compared to the Freelex, but Freelex is amazing. We've used that on our farm for many years now. It's fantastic. That'd be my number one recommendation. When you start talking about pasture spraying, change gears. In the fall, a lot of people ask about spraying thistles and perennials, and I just say, if you want to get it done... I I appreciate that you're thinking about, hey, fall, and that's a good time to spray because people have always said that. But again, I want to come back to that killing frost thing. When you get a frost, here's what happens with the plants. The plants now have at least partially or maybe even fully shut down above ground. So now you're counting on any residual herbicide that lands on the soil to get rained in and get down into that root system. It's going to happen eventually, but my point is you're going to get a lot better kill and a lot better permanent kill if you can get it into the top growth while it's still very actively growing and get that translocated or moved down into the root system. So over the years, we've talked an awful lot about milestone and Tordon milestone is the very best thing for all thistle species. So if you have thistles and you say, look, I want these gone and as much as possible gone forever, I'm going to tell you use milestone. Now, Tordon is almost as good on thistles, but it's way better on leafy spurge and some of the brush species. So I really like Tordon too. For both of them though, they have 
really long residual. Tordon, even more so than Milestone. But you got to be careful and you got to be thinking about, hey, five years from now, I think I might rotate this pasture out and plant some other crop. So at least whoever you're working with on recommendations for your pasture, be talking about that. But yeah, if you want, let's say, two-year control on thistles out on your farm or you know some of these other weeds, that's absolutely possible. We spend a lot of time here on the show talking about chaparral as well. That's milestone plus the old ally. Again, super long residual, but a little bit better on brush because of that ally that's in there along with the milestone. I'd also say there's the new Duracore uh, that you could certainly use. That's Milestone and a 2,4-D replacement product, Okay, Either, um, this new Rinscore. So that, that looks really good. We don't see as much drift out of it. We see a little bit better weed control. So Duracore is a really good choice. But that's more for annual weeds, maybe biennials, certainly winter annuals. But if we're talking perennials, we'd tell you just go straight milestone or straight toward on. When you combine a 2,4-D or dicamba together with the milestone or toward on or even chaparral, what can happen is the plant will shut down before these long-term products get all the way down into that root system. And if that happens, you just don't get the same long-term control that you would if you sprayed the product straight. So let's say, for example, you've got a thistle patch, you got a leafy spurge patch, you got some other patch in your pasture of a perennial weed. I'd go hit that all by itself, do that first, do that at the highest labeled rate of any of these products. I mean, you can wipe it out in one shot if you want. Now, I'd also say, when we start talking about lawns and pastures and people say, oh, herbicides and they're dangerous and bad and everything else, I mean, Tordon, now, I'm not suggesting that you do this, but Tordon, you could literally drink it. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt livestock. I obviously can't tell you to do that, nor am I telling you to do that. Okay, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm just saying when you look at the toxicity of many of these newer products that are out, it's very, very safe compared to the old herbicides that used to be out there. So like the mesotrione we were talking about for lawns even, I mean, that comes from a tree. That got derived from a tree, the colistamone tree. And even the, the, the Freelex, yes, it's a 2,4-D, and people think, oh, 2,4-D is really tough. Well, 2,4-D is really actually quite safe to human beings as well. Again, you got to wear personal protective equipment, spray these things in the right places and all that. But I'm just saying we have so much better herbicides today, so much safer herbicides today. And when you're using herbicides properly at the right rate in the right situations, you can get a lot more grass production. And then in the end, what that means is you have a healthier lawn or a healthier pasture, and that's better for the long term. So anyway, using herbicides when you need them can be unbelievably effective. But we'll talk a little more about lawn and pasture spraying and get to your calls and questions coming up later in the show. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Ag PhD has one mission 
give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we're talking about lawn and pasture spraying, and our phone lines are open if you have any questions for us today. And it could be about lawn or pasture. It could be about something else. That's totally fine. 844-44-AG-PHD is our phone number. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Time to time we get some pictures that come in. Hey, can you help me identify this particular weed? That's always a smart thing to do is identify the weeds before you start, well, saying here's a good lawn spray that I might use because you might be using the wrong thing. You might not get the weed that you're after. So we got our friend uh, Brian Ferguson on right now with Ferguson Lawn and Landscape down in Tennessee to talk a little bit about making some of those selections in your lawn. Brian, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. How you guys doing? We're doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. And, you know, this time in the fall is often a great opportunity for people to get their lawn sprayed. And when we're talking about some of the tough weeds that are out there, whether it be uh, some of the problem grass species or broadleaf species or, or perennials that we get going in lawns, there's a lot of different choices out there. Some of these active ingredients we're pretty familiar with on the farm because we might use them in one of the crops that we're raising. But uh, a lot of times it's different product names in the lawn, so we, we turn to an expert like yourself to, to help us out here. So what are some of the common things that you're going after in lawns this fall, and, and what are some of the products that you'll choose to help you do that? Uh, right now, um, I'm getting, we're overseeding uh, here in the next week uh, with our, our cool season fescue and perennial rye, and uh, I'll just go out with a three-way product. Uh, that has 2,4-D mecoprop and dicamba in it. And its um, vessel is a uh, product that you can buy. And um, um, TriStar is one like it's your local co-op. Strike 3, that's another one. And and this is only for broadleaf weeds to clean those up. Sure, sure. And, And so I'd put that 
uh, on my cool season grasses before I seed them. And then my warm season grasses, zoysia and Bermuda grass, I'll put uh, a three-way product plus simazine, which is a pre-emergent, uh, on my warm season grasses. And uh, I usually use uh, it's Princep, uh, TO, Turf and Ornamental. Uh, so as far as the lawn, you got to stick with the, uh, you know, there's some herbicides that'll work, uh, has that same active ingredient as farm chemicals. Sure. Like Outrider, Outrider and Certainty, you know, the same deal, but, you know, they kind of, EPA frowns a little bit on that. <laughs> can't use them. So, yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, right. Uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, this fall is, uh, getting the, uh, Simazine down and, uh, I, there's, I use Princep. I don't know what else is out there. You you know can sure. Google different things, but uh, the Simazine mainly I use it for poana or some people call it bluegrass that comes up in the springtime. Uh, it's really hard to get rid of uh, if you don't uh, get your Simazine down in October because uh, it it'll start to uh, come up in November in this Northwest Tennessee, and uh, so that's what we're doing right now yeah fall. those fall those fall treatments are so important on that one other thing in the fall a lot of times we get questions about is fertilization programs and i know that in our crops if we've got good fertility out there it allows our crop to choke out a lot of those weeds do you see the same thing in lawns where getting that fertility balance right really helps you out oh absolutely 100 percent. yeah and if you, you know i don't uh when i'm uh, aerating and overseeding fescue and rye here in the next week or so i'll just go out with your basic triple triple 15 nothing fancy whatever and in the springtime i'll go out with a, uh, a polymer sulfur coated urea which you'll get darker green and it's polymer coated sort of a plastic coating and it's slow release and so you don't get that big burst of growth and you're not mowing you know twice a week um but definitely if if you've uh, the fertilizer uh, on my Bermuda lawns, I fertilize at least twice a year during the summer. And the fescue, I hit it pretty good uh, early in the spring. And then once it warms up around this area, uh, it gets pretty hot. And you, you can do a little bit more damage to the fescue if you put down um, fertilizer later on as it starts to warm up. Uh, uh, it can really go the other way and do a little bit of damage. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, one of the grasses we get questioned on is quack grass. I don't know if you have quack grass uh, as a bad problem, but do you have any perennial grasses that really are invasive into lawns that you have to deal with? And if so, do you have any good solution for killing a tough perennial grass like that in your lawns? Um. We call it quake grass. I don't quake grass. Uh, I think that's further south. We, uh, we don't get much of that. We get uh, 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 crabgrass and um, signal grass and uh, goose grass, uh, and that's more of a spring uh, pre-emergent application. Uh, and we use perdiamine. I don't know if in the farm, if you guys use perdiamine on farms, but uh, I tell you what, it's 
I spray my customers' lawns, say, five to six times a year. But I I can't stress enough, you got to get down the pre-emergent prodiamine, which is safe for uh, cool season and warm season grasses. If you can eat before, around the before the soil temperature gets 55 to 58 degrees, uh, like say when the forsythia start blooming, you you should have it down or you need to be putting it down. And if you get that pre-emergent down, the prodiamine, it it makes your life a lot easier because it, it, it'll work about six months. And about August, you'll start seeing some crabgrass pop up. But I'm telling you, if anybody watching, if they can... Just remember the prodiamine, get it down about the time the forsythias are blooming or before. Uh, it, it'll, and it controls a lot of broadleaf weeds. And uh, it's a little expensive, but it's well worth it. Um, and that really controls a broad range of uh, grasses in your landscape, uh, your turf. No, I know what you mean there. When we get that pre out there and it does a good job getting eh, 80, 90, 95% of the weeds out of the way, oh, it makes life so much easier the rest of the summer because I'm sure you get the calls where somebody's got a disaster out there and they're hoping you can just spray one time and everything's going to be great, but we all know that's not reality. Right. And like I said, I spray my customers four to five, four, or five to six times uh, during the growing season and if it's already, I'm on to step three and I got a new customer and crabgrass has already germinated and I look at their lawn, I will almost not take it on. Even if it's a good yard close to what I'm doing, if it's covered up in crabgrass, it's, I'm going to spend more money on specialized herbicides to knock it out like certainty, you know, and then try to get your surfactant right and not burn it too bad and you you can it's just you know uh uh it's uh the pre-emergent is the deal about um preventing the weeds and right uh, right ounce of ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure for sure (laughs) and that's that's the whole deal right there is get the pre-emergent down yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, we're talking with Brian Ferguson here with Ferguson Lawn and Landscape down in Tennessee. And the other thing that I always tell people, too, that ask about lawn weed control, I say, man, just don't cut the grass so short. Leave leave a little bit of height there, and you're going to be so happy right. that you did for the health of that lawn, for choking out weeds and all those good things. And, you know, it's just these kinds of tips that, that can really help a, a person heading into this fall to make that lawn look great for next year. Brian, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and good luck to you here. I know you're going to be busy for a while the next couple of months here. Yes, sir. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. You bet. You as well. Talking about lawn and pasture spraying on today's Ag PhD radio program. If you have an agronomic question for us, you can call us at 844-44-AG-PHD or email us radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. 
Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open throughout the show. If you have an agronomic question we can help you with, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Real happy to have Lauren Mulder with us right now. She's a Kinsey Ag Consultant with Enviro Granulation. Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing great, gentlemen. All right, we're talking about lawn and pasture spraying, Lauren. And when I think about lawn and pastures, I, I know exactly what Neil Kinsey would say. He'd say, man, let's let's see what a soil test is. And this is something that a lot of farmers are not doing, a lot of ranchers are not doing, is, is getting that pasture ground tested to see exactly what that fertility balance is. What are some of the things that, that you're advising those guys, the farmers and ranchers with pasture land? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because so many of them have row crop acreage that they test on a regular basis, whether it's every year or every two or three years, and they never even think about testing their pastures. And yet they look at their pastures as a source of productivity, either for grazing or for hay production, but yet they don't even give it the same thought or consideration as they do their 
their row crop acreage, and yet at the same time they wanted to produce. And so sometimes it's a little bit of a conversation to try and get a, a customer to think about, let's at least take a soil test and just see where you're at. You're going to still put out fertilizer regardless, but maybe we're not putting out the right products. And as y'all are big proponents of soil testing, really helps you dial in how to more accurately spend your money, you know, to get the best value out of your inputs. Absolutely. And I, I talk to, to farmers and ranchers all the time that complain, boy, there's just not enough pasture ground that's available in my area. And I look at it very much like crops. If we say, boy, we're not making it on 200 bushel corn, well, let's figure out how to raise 250 or 300. And it's the same with the pastures. Well, if my stocking rate is, is really poor out there, I can't run very many head on this land. Let's figure out how to get it to produce more. And fertility is certainly one of those ways. Now, Lauren, as as we think about this, when we're looking at lawns, is it kind of the same thing? Because I know I don't want to have to mow my lawn like three times a week or anything to keep up with it, but I do want it to be healthy and I want to keep weeds out of my lawn. What do you advise for, for people in lawns? Is it just that we're putting too much N on? Is that what's getting all the growth or, or what's happening there? Typically, it's the wrong end source. To be honest with you, um, most of the commercial products have way too much soluble nitrogen for what we need on turf. Um, when I work with professional turf managers, typically we're looking at no more than 20% soluble nitrogen, and some of them are only wanting 5% soluble nitrogen. And that means they're wanting 80 to 95% of the total applied nitrogen to be in one form or another of some kind of slow or controlled release nitrogen. And that will help you mitigate your growth. Now, when we get into really high-end turf on golf courses and and, and better cared for sports fields, uh, those guys will use a product called Primo that's a, a growth regulator that will slow down the vertical growth. And I actually put it on my yard last year. I was having my children push mow my backyard, and I put Primo on the backyard in the middle of the summer, and it made such an impression on how much easier it was to mow by managing the clipping growth uh, that my little boy this spring was begging me to put it on as soon as it greened up and started growing. So he would only have to mow every other week instead of once a week. <laughs> but then, then he's not going to get paid very much, Lauren. I don't know. I think if I was, if I was one of your your young guys that's out there mowing that lawn, I'd say, man, let's get this let's get this thing growing fast so I could do it every day and make more money. Uh, I'm I'm not a very nice dad. They don't get paid to mow. <laughs> It's just required. <laughs> gotcha. Well, then in that case, it's absolutely primo, it, maybe even a double rate. And honestly, it's a small yard. It doesn't take them 15 minutes each, and both my son and daughter share it because I think it's, you know, she needs to be able to know how to mow a yard if she ever gets to her own house and doesn't need to pay somebody to come do it for her. No, absolutely. Totally agree with that. Uh, okay, so when when we're thinking about lawns and pastures, uh, sulfur is another question we get a lot, Lauren. What what do you see with sulfur? I know in our farms we're using more sulfur than we ever have. Is it going to provide that same benefit in our lawns and in our pastures? Absolutely, and it's for the same reason we now have to apply it in our in our acreage because we're not getting it in the rain anymore. And so, if you're not getting it in the rain, you're going to have to apply it one way or the other through an input and you know, with hay production, they'll typically lead to much higher protein levels in your forage. Um, but even in turf, even though we're not worried about forage production, a lot of times you'll see a nice greening response, especially if you have any kind of alkaline or high pH soils, because that little bit of sulfur is going to help lower the pH and temporarily acidify the soil and make some of those nutrients that are bound up chemically available to the plant for a little while. 
I put sulfur on my yard before, and it looks like a fertilizer application because we're running about seven, eight on our pHs where I live, and it it'll get it'll spur growth all by itself without any nitrogen at all, just straight ninety percent sulfur. Wow. That's that's interesting. Another one that I get a lot of questions about, Lauren, is iron. I I hear farmers who are trying to green up their crop and get it looking a darker green shade like to add iron, and I hear the same thing in lawns. What what should we know about iron? Can we overdo it with iron, or is this something that's providing a positive benefit at low rates? Typically, turf grass likes iron like we put, like to put zinc on our row crops. It loves iron. The, what I would encourage everybody to think about is just like the micronutrients you're putting in your row crops, we want to have some kind of chelated or protected iron product when we go out. Fair sulfate's fine. It's going to give you a quick burst, but it's not going to have any very long residual unless your soils are really, really well balanced. And honestly, iron oxide gets put into a lot of fertilizer products, and unless your pH is down below about 6, 7, it's a waste of money because it's never going to come available in your lifetime. The chemistry just doesn't work to release those oxides when you're near neutral or above. Uh, so it's just, you might see, a 50, I've, I've been in the stores where they're selling a 50% iron oxide product to green up the yard, and you might get a minimal green up if you get a rain, but outside of that, it's just a waste of money. You, it's much, much better spent on a high-quality liquid chelated material Um Use rates are much, much lower. The length of response is much longer. You can get several weeks to a month or more, depending on your rates. I will caution you about getting too excited about putting out too much iron. I've seen it happen before, and iron will turn your turf black. gets in excess. Um, it'll go from dark green to a kind of a gray to a black, and then you'll start to see desiccation, and you'll start to see uh, uh, some turf loss at that point until it can recover or it leaches out. Okay. Okay, good tip, good tip. Just like everything else, there's too much of a good thing. Is there a parts per million that you're watching for or a balance type thing that you're watching for that would tell you, hey, you probably have enough iron, you should lay off for a year, or are you just watching the color? Um, honestly, I'll go back to soil testing. Your soil tests are going to tell you if you need to add iron or not. Um, visually, it's like any other micronutrient. You can put a little on and see if you get a color response, and, and that may help you out, and you may not want to on a – Average home yard invest in maybe trying to fix your soil. Um, it's the same thing with magnesium. You can put a little bit of Epsom salt in a little sprayer and spray it out and see if you see a color response, and you may be a little magnesium deficient. And you can troubleshoot some of your problems like that. But uh, honestly, if you full soil test, it will tell you whether you need to spend any money on iron or not. You may need magnesium and not need any iron, or it could be the complete opposite. Okay. Yep, I agree with you on that. Certainly uh, each each lawn or each field has a different history and and some are going to need things that others are not one that we do hear some questions on now and then is magnesium if you're in an area with really high calcium low magnesium uh, what's the best way to fix a lawn or pasture if you're short of magnesium if you know you are low in magnesium and you are high in calcium the best option is to get a hold of kmag um, it's going to be your cheapest option and typically, if you're that high in calcium, you're probably going to be low in potassium more than likely as well, uh, just because it's it's weaker of the three, um, and calcium's the big bully, and it's not going to allow a lot of room for anything else. Magnesium is the only one that really has a chance against it. So I would look at KMAG as probably being your first choice. If you know you have sufficient potassium, then your other option is going to be Epsom salts or magnesium sulfate. 
Great stuff. Uh, talking with Lauren Mulder with Enviro Granulation. He's a Neil Kinsey consultant down in Texas. Lauren, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the information here. Good luck, and uh, hopefully you have plenty of primo for next year to keep the kids happy. <laughs> I appreciate it, gentlemen. You might think about it on your yards uh, if you need to. <laughs> You bet. I love those tips, uh, especially when there's something that, you know, can can help with the workload a little bit, too, at home. Talking about lawn and pasture spraying on today's Ag PhD radio show, and we'll be right back after this. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at AgPhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions. When you're ready to harvest more corn, Drago is ready to help. The proven Drago Series 2 corn head with automatic self-adjusting deck plates beats competitive brands for harvest efficiency. And the new Drago GT features integrated deck plate ear shocks for unsurpassed yield capture. Harvest more, return more with a Drago corn head. For more information on Drago corn heads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Ag PhD has one mission give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Nothing waits for a farmer. Not the weather, the banker, the crops. It's never at a farmer's convenience. So when it comes to crop protection savings programs, how come they get to ask you to wait for a rebate? Don't wait for rebates. Get the True Choice offer from Corteva AgriScience for instant upfront savings on crop protection products. Ask your local Pioneer sales representative or your crop protection retailer about the True Choice offer from Corteva. But don't wait. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. 
We're live in the Morton studio talking lawn and pasture spraying today, but if you've got any questions for us, just send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or you can call us, 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, we just got an email from Rich who said, I'm wondering what you guys think about tenacity herbicide for crabgrass. It seems to have a strong following in the lawn care fanatic crowd. When I tried it, the crabgrass turned white but didn't seem to completely die off. Is it the wrong product? Is it the wrong timing, the wrong use rate? What do you think? Wrong product and wrong rate. So with crabgrass, I was saying earlier in the show, use Drive. That's Quinclorac. That'll be the best thing for you. Now, I also mentioned earlier in the show, Mesotriont, that is the tenacity that he's talking about. Good product, has activity on grass. It's just not the best thing on crabgrass. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't use that. But I, I still would use Mesotrion or Tenacity for a number of other things. It does have really good activity and lots of broadleaves, helps on grass, so it's not a bad way to go. And let's put it this way, crabgrass is tough. So do you really think you're going to kill all your crabgrass with one application of one thing? Probably not. So if it was me, here's... Now, I realize this is a lot of spraying, and so you do whatever you want to do. But let's say you wanted to have your lawn looking absolutely amazing, and you're trying to beat the neighbor. Okay, that's usually the way this thing works. You go out there with your Freelex in the spring, then you come with your Drive or Quinclorac, a lot of times, like around here, we say when the lilacs are blooming. Okay, so I don't know what the trigger is for you, but the point is we'll call it late spring. And then early summer, you come back with mesotrione or tenacity. So you've sprayed three things in three months, and you will have knocked about everything out. So what the drive misses, you'll only have a little bit left, and then, yes, the tenacity might not be too bad. But when you've got a lot of crabgrass out there, it's just too much to ask of tenacity to get it all. But I will say, if you turn stuff white and then it didn't quite die off, it's the same issue we have out in crop fields when we talk to guys and they say, yeah, it looks like it burned everything down. And then the weed uh, branched out from the bottom. And I usually say, well, that tells me your rate was too low because weeds are going to die with the most active growing point first because that's where the herbicide will go first. That's at the top of the plant. Then it's going to work its way down one by one till it gets to the bottom. Well, if you don't have a lethal dose to kill each and every growing point, that plant's going to continue to live. On broadleaf plants, then there are multiple growing points. Now, on grass plants, there's only one growing point, but even so, there probably just simply was not enough of a lethal dose there when it reached that growing point to completely kill the weed. It dinged it up. It turned it white. That's what mesotrione or tenacity will do. Just didn't completely finish it off. Okay. Uh Thanks for the question. Got this one from Riley who said, I'm looking for some insight on a soil sample that I did a couple of years ago. I've grown oats for the last two years. This year I had a ton of lodging and my base saturation K is way down. So I'm wondering how much K should I add this fall to get the ratio correct and also fix my pH a little bit if possible. He said, keep in mind this test was pulled before 
two years of oats. Now, one thing that, that you could have included, Riley, is what kind of yield you had out of the oats. But I'll say this, when you're starting with 53 parts per million a K. We're going to call it zero. Uh, yeah, we can pretty much figure there isn't much there. His base saturation K was 0. 0.5, by the way. So we're, we're always trying to get that number up to four. So if you're starting with, and we'll just round it off, we'll call it 50 parts per million. He's at 0. 0.5 now. All you do is you take that 50 divided by 0. 0.5 times 4. So what that amounts to is you got 400 parts per million is going to be our goal. So that's that's a lot. Um, you you double that basically. You've got to to convert parts per million to pounds per acre in a six inch soil test. You take it times two. So that's 800 pounds of actual K. And potash is 50% K. Now it's 60% K2O, but we're talking K, and your soil test is giving us K, not K2O. So that'd be 1,600 pounds of potash if you wanted to do it all in one shot. Now, obviously, you're going to say, oh my goodness, that's crazy, and I don't want to put that much on. That's fine. Just work on a build program for the next few years. Let's say you did even, well, let's call it 400 pounds for four years in a row, or you know, split it up however you want. 200 pounds for eight years, but you got to do that in addition to what the crop's going to remove. So yeah, that's the reason why you had the lodging problem is just your potassium is really, really, really low. Now the other two nutrients that typically factor in to lodging issues are manganese and your manganese test is one parts, one part per million. So really, really low and copper and you're at 0.2 parts per million, even lower. So both of those should be two, three, four, five times or more what they are. Now, granted, with manganese and copper, it doesn't cost nearly as much as this potassium thing that we're talking about. But yeah, that's the reason why you've had this lodging problem. So if nothing else, and I understand we're talking a lot of dollars here. Now, last year when fertilizer was cheap, I, I can just tell you like on our farm, we took anything that wasn't at 6% K and raised it all the way up. And we have stuff as heavy as you do. This is a 27 CEC. So we literally did put, in some cases, a 1,000 pounds of potash on. I don't care because here's the way I look at it. If I own the ground, it's just a long-term investment. I'm going to use that potassium up someday. I might not use it today. I'm definitely not going to use it today. But in the long term, am I going to use it up? You bet I am. So yeah, in your case, I just work on a build program and, and we'll just put it that way. So you don't have to spend all these dollars in one shot, but you got to work on a build for potassium and copper and manganese. And then that's going to help you out dramatically moving forward. Now, the other thing is in the meantime, you have to be smart about this. So this is, uh, let me, let me step back about 15, 20 years on our farm. We were in the same boat as you are right now. And we had lodging problems and we go, oh my goodness, it's going to cost so much to get our potassium levels built up. Well, now after all those years, we built them up and it's all fine now. But back then we go, all right, we don't want to spend all that money in one shot. So how are we going to do this? And we said, number one, we're cutting population. We're cutting our population by a lot. That will absolutely reduce your problem. The next thing is we got to be really careful about how and when we're putting nitrogen on because you're going to get your nitrogen to potassium ratio out of whack, like, I mean, almost instantly. And I, I thought it was really interesting when Darren was talking to, uh, let's see, I think it was Lauren Mulder that was mentioning this, just about the amount of soluble nitrogen that you want out there in any one shot. In the lawns, he said, some of the really good guys, they're talking 5%, maybe 20% at the most for soluble nitrogen right away. Well, think about what you're putting out for your oats 
and or any crop that you do, how much nitrogen are you putting out and what form is it in? In other words, is it all available today or is it a controlled release that comes available over two months? That's really what we would like because when you have it all soluble, all today, you're you're just you're, that nitrogen decay ratio is terrible, and then you, you have stuff going down on you really fast. So be really careful in the short term about all those things: population, the amount of nitrogen that you're putting out there, and I, I try to pick varieties that are going to stay shorter to reduce the lodging issue as well. Do all those things until you get your soils built up. With K, manganese, and copper, once you do, now you can start bunt, uh, start bumping populations and making some other adjustments, and you don't have to be as careful about the nitrogen. But yeah, it's a tough spot, but we were there too once, and you'll, you can get out of that eventually. It'll be fine, and it will pay off to continue building those things over the years. So hopefully that all works out for you. Yeah, as you get started in farming, one of the most important things you can do is learn how to read soil tests and learn how to make these adjustments and how to figure out which fertilizers are going to pay the best for you. So I'd strongly recommend that you check into that. You can find a lot of our content available for free online. And of course, we'll have workshops coming up this winter. You can find more information at agphd.com. You can also find information on the upcoming Neil Kinsey workshop that we'll be doing right here at the Morton Center, right at the Ag PhD Field Day site in South Dakota. So you can sign up for that one. That one is uh, going to blow your mind. It's three days of wow. Uh, great fertility information there. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. Uh, the next one we're going to get to right after the break here comes from Robert over in southeast Wisconsin. He's got some concerns about his potassium fertilizer program in his long-term no-till. We'll get to that right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. 
When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge, and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New Farm and Panther SC, here to help. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. Just before the break, I kind of started into Robert from Southeast Wisconsin's question, and we'll get back to the phone lines here in just a second. Uh, Robert said, uh, not a huge farmer here in Southeast Wisconsin, but I've been 25 plus years of no-till. I'm soil testing every four years and doing a variable rate broadcast fertility program, as well as using agro-liquid in my pop-up program. And I had used a low rate of agro-liquid, like six gallons total. Now I upped it this year and last year up to 12 to 13 gallons. And wow, it's hard to believe the monitor and the fact that it was running well over 200 bushel corn. My agronomist said, I got a lot more of this corn this year, so I'm excited about that. Now, uh, one of the things that I'm wondering about is potassium fertilizer applications. So the inferro stuff is one thing, that's safely below the ground, but my broadcast on top of no-till fields here in Wisconsin are my concern. Should I be worried about potentially having any runoff from my fields? How early do I need to be putting this on? I've been kind of pushing my potash back to just before final freeze-up and winter set, but I'm collecting water runoff and testing it just to see if I'm losing anything. Okay, the nice thing with potassium is it's not going to leach away on you unless you have real sandy soil and lots of rainfall. So the odds of that happening for you are awfully slim. So I'm not worried about getting it out there a little early or anything like that. It's a whole different than nitrate. When you start thinking about how nitrate can leach, you always think, oh, I got to put it out real late in the fall. I agree with that. With the potash, I'd go a little bit earlier, number one. Number two, am I that worried about the runoff anytime? Um, I can't say I'm super worried unless you get really hilly ground because you never know. With snow, sometimes you get two feet of snow, well, that insulates it. And actually, some of the snow on the bottom melts and the ground isn't frozen. And then the potassium actually could soak into the ground. So 
I, I kind of can see it both ways. You just don't know. Let, let's turn this around and you say, okay, well, I'll just get it out there a little earlier to beat the frost. All right, let's say you put it out the 1st of October, but all of a sudden you get a five-inch rain that all comes in 27 minutes, and now it's running down the hill carrying some of your potassium away. So there, there's no perfect answer. You just have to try to be smart, as smart as you can about uh, some of these things, but you can't prevent Mother Nature from doing what it's going to do entirely, especially when it's going to be no-till and you're going to broadcast on the surface of the soil. Now, if you really wanted to protect it, you could inject it down into the ground somehow. So let's let's say it's strip-till, or let's say it's even some coulter that's very minimal disturbance. I mean, there there are other options where that would be safer but if you say, look, I don't want to do any tillage at all, ever, I just, and I don't even want to use a coulter to get it down in the ground deeper, I just want to lay it on the surface of the soil, then there's always going to be some degree of risk. So I think your timing right now is really not bad. I do it shortly before freeze up because honestly, I'd like to get some snow on it. I always feel better about snow because you just don't have it running off fast like you do a big rain. So a big snow is actually pretty fantastic for getting stuff soaked into the ground. All right. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. And uh, also really appreciate just thinking about these things. What's my environmental impact and how can I get the best use out of my fertility products? That's, that's awesome on many fronts. This from Gary up in Saskatchewan. He's on the phone here about soil. He's got a question about soil sampling. Gary, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you guys? Well, pretty good. I, I'm just thinking about our fields, and we've gotten some rain. It's kind of holding us out just a little bit, but before too long here, we'll be we'll be rolling in the field, and then we'll be doing some soil sampling. So I'm, I'm assuming you're kind of on the same line, getting ready to get crop out, get soil sampled. What's your question today? Well, we've been very hot and very dry up here in Saskatchewan. Um, grew basically half a crop. Um about the time we were taking it out, we've been getting some rain and everybody's got a bunch of green regrowth and that sort of thing going on. Uh, finding very little nitrogen left in zero to six inches, which everyone was surprised at because of only growing half a crop, right? Sure. So then they went deeper and, oh, well, there's the nitrogen, but how did it get down there? Because we haven't hardly had any rain. So end of the day... How how should we go about sampling here? Should we do 0 to 12? Is there anything wrong with that? Uh, you certainly can. It I, I don't really have any problem with 0 to 12. We've done a bunch of that in the past. The standard's been 0 to 6. It's That's where, uh, well, I, I shouldn't even say that's where the, necessarily the majority of your roots are. What we've kind of found is the range of about 4 to 9 inches is where a lot of roots are most of the time. So... Sampling down to 8, I'm perfectly good with. Sampling down to 12, you might get a little bit of stuff where it could skew your data a little bit. But personally, I'd rather have you do the 0 to 12 than not in this situation. And let me just explain two things. So one, I agree with you, you got a better chance to pick up the nitrate that's there. The other thing is what you're going to find is your P and your K and a lot of your other nutrient levels on these nutrients that don't leach, they're going to look lower. And... To me, I'd rather get a little more out there of fertilizer that won't leach away and is good for my ground long term. And this is going to kind of most likely 
push you to do that, if you see what I'm trying to say here. Your, um, your parts per million could very well look lower because chances are your P and K are heaviest in your top three inches. And so the deeper you go and the more you're averaging that all together, it's going to look lower. So as long as you understand that and you go, okay, yeah, I thought my test levels looked good. Now they don't look quite as good. That's going to be the reason why with all those things that don't leach in the soil. Would you not just say, well, I normally do zero to six. I'm used to zero to six. Now I've done zero to 12, so I might as well uh, expect half the pounds of of P and K. Well, I sure hope you don't have half. I hope you had some down in the ground a little <laughs> bit more. Um, yeah, you'll you'll just have to see what you find. And and if you want to, you can send us some of those results and kind of let us know how that turns out. But yeah, I don't have any problem at all. If you want to go down to 12 inches, that's just fine. The other thing that a lot of people will do is they will just do zero to six on everything. And then they'll just pull a few deep cores. And I'm talking six to 24 inches. They'll just do that in a few spots, maybe two spots per field or something. So they aren't spending much money, but at least they got some deep cores. Now, most of the people that'll do those deep cores only do it for nitrate and sulfate. But if it was me, at least, I, and especially if you're only pulling a few of them, I'd probably test for everything just so I find out what do I actually have down there. And then you'll probably be able to confirm what I'm assuming here is that all those things that don't leach, um, they are in the top six inches. They are not in your... Uh, 6 to 24. But yeah, with that nitrate thing, a lot of guys in these drought years, they are testing a little bit deeper because they go, there's no way it leached away. And I know it's there. It didn't get used up. So it might be in that 12 to 24 inch range. And then they'll actually count on that. Because let's face it, I mean, you're still in the drought area and I'm looking at North Dakota. I'm looking at, I mean, the whole upper half of the United States as you get, you know, start getting west. And then all of southern Canada, it looks like as you're coming west, we're all in this big drought area. So I think we're all kind of in the same boat. And uh, yeah, we might we might have to do a little bit of that on our farm as well. Okay. Well, right. thanks for that. Good luck with your harvest. Yep. Thanks. You too. All right. Thanks for the questions, Gary. Uh, Get this one from Jacob, and he said, I'm curious, what's the difference between disc tillage and vertical tillage? What do you use them for? Well, when you start talking about a disc, that uh, that that creates more compaction with the vertical till, then you're looking at coulters that are, let's call it, more straight up and down. And the the idea is to fracture the soil and hopefully create some of those fractures down deeper into the soil. So just, I mean, this is really hard when I can't show pictures, but that that's kind of how I would look at it. With a disc, you've got uh, you're you're at a little bit more of an angle, and they like I say they you end up creating a lot of compaction with discs. Discs are actually used to build roads quite often. But yeah, with a vertical till machine, you're running shallow. Uh, you are just going in basically with a bunch of little coulters and trying to shoot that uh, that that fracture down deeper into the soil. So we've worked the, with those with fairly good success in wetter soils. The disc we actually like for chopping things up and starting to make that ground more black in certain situations, especially where we're raising a lot of continuous corn. 
Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that. Yeah, there are a lot of different terms that we use on the show and, and different things that we're trying to describe. So we love getting questions like that so we get a chance to, to clarify just a little bit more. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.